Two off weeks. Finally, they're both over, and Ohio State will uh, do a stretch run to the end of the season that'll begin uh, in friendly fashion Saturday noon. That's tomorrow. Horseshoe, Maryland against Ohio State. Uh, this is the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Bruce Hooley, Chris Spielman with you, and there was a time this season when we thought Maryland might be an adventure yeah, early on. for Ohio State. Athlete-wise on offense, they're pretty good. Just defensively, they just fell apart, and Michigan destroyed Maryland last week, so it's uh, it'll be good to be a good effort by Maryland to keep it under forty. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the line is forty-four. Okay, keep it under forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> They've played three ranked teams in the Big Ten. They beat Syracuse when Syracuse was ranked, but second yeah. week of the season, I don't, Syracuse, Syracuse hasn't yeah. made its way back in. No. So we is maybe don't put a lot of emphasis on that one. They played three ranked teams in the Big Ten. Penn State beat them fifty nine to nothing. Mm-hmm. Minnesota beat them, I believe, fifty two to ten. And Michigan beat them thirty eight to seven. Ohio State is the very best team in the Big Ten, so that's why the line is forty four. Although the oddity uh, of the ranking spiels is we have three different number one teams. Right. We have LSU in the Associated Press. We have Alabama in the coaches, and we have Ohio State in the college football playoff rankings. Um, it, it, the the first the ranking the rankings would be the playoff ranking, the AP, yeah. then the coaches pool because I don't believe in a coaches pool because yeah. I, it's ridiculous to have coaches vote that have they have no idea what's going on, that don't watch games but their own team and the opponent that they're playing for. If they're watching somebody else play, then they're doing a disservice to their team. And getting their team ready to play their next game. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, it's a uh, joke. Uh, you know, Ohio State has been a very dominant team this season. Uh, we will have um, further clarity on who the class of the SEC is based upon LSU and Alabama. You know, the one interesting thing about the college football playoff rankings with Bama starting in the number three position uh, is the thought that if Bama were to lose to LSU, it would fall, obviously, lower yeah. and would not be in an, a very good position to get back into the playoff with one loss, assuming LSU goes on and plays in the SEC title game. That Bama wouldn't have a chance to really rehabilitate itself. Ohio State, conversely, at one, if Penn State were to beat Ohio State, you know, Ohio State, would they drop out of the top four? It's not as likely as if you're three and drop out of the top four like Bama probably yeah. would. Well, Clemson, they probably whoever loses will probably go to five, and Clemson would take their place. Who's at six? Do we even know? Georgia. Yeah, Georgia's okay. Yeah, I don't believe in Georgia. I no. think there, you know, there's uh, four special teams this year, and Georgia will have the opportunity. I mean, Georgia is everything's in front of Georgia. If Georgia wins out, Georgia's in. You know, if you win the SEC championship yeah. game, they got to take you. Yeah, and so they will. Uh, Cleveland Browns are two and six, and they take on your former club, the Buffalo Bills, on Sunday at one. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, like last week, you know, the Browns two former conversation. Clubs, by the way, Correct. even though I didn't Correct. play a regular season game with the Brownies, but conversation last week was, ah, oh, the Browns' schedule's lightening up, yeah. lightening up now. They're playing Denver, and I'm like, wait a minute, Denver's won two games just yeah. like you, and Denver's lost three times in the final minute. Why do you think it's lightening up? Well, and Buffalo is six and two. Can you be fake six and two? No, uh, Buffalo plays really good defense. Um, I think when you when you we started hearing that talk, and I was guilty of saying it, uh, 
that we forget that Denver's sitting there saying, okay, our schedule lightens up. We got the Browns <laughs> coming the Browns, in. Yeah. And Buffalo saying, oh, goodness. Uh, who uh, who did they, did Buffalo lose last week? or No, they won. Oh, they won. Uh, and they say, all right, we can get on a streak here because if we get by this one, then we have the Browns. And so the Browns are just, you know, when you have anything else uh, interrupting your locker room, interrupting your focus like the Browns do, whether it's the shoes, whether it's the tweet war, whether it's taking disciplinary action, whether it's questioning your quarterback, questioning the head coach, are you getting the ball enough? All this other stuff besides winning uh, takes precedence, and it's a problem. You know what? who's exactly opposite of the Cleveland Browns? He's the Ohio New England S- Patriots. Well, I mean, you know, no, I'm just saying from the from the. But the culture, minute they have drama, they need a wide receiver. Josh Gordon. They perceive Josh Gordon to be drama. Bye. Yeah. Bye. For, but the, the the exact opposite. If you look at two teams, one that's focused, one that has all these Correct. distractions. Ohio State, right? Just just comparing the two. Just look at the difference of the mentality of Ohio State than the mentality of the Browns, where the Browns are putting out fires of stuff. And we talked about this on Wednesday's podcast that everything they're doing is self-induced stress. It, it's it's one two three me stuff. It's I'm wearing my shoes and I don't care what anybody says yeah. because that's important to them. I'm concerned about what outsiders are saying about how I played, so I'm going to go back on Twitter and attack them. So that's important to them. By the and way, uh, I went into my – we had an emailer saying that we, you needed to be here Monday to calm me down. You were flying back from Oakland on the you, red eye. You had your here. Browns uh, fandom so going? I, I, I gave you a window into why I was so upset about Jermaine Whitehead, that he right. cared more about what people were saying about him than he did that the team's playoff chances were you know up in smoke. On the Odell Beckham thing in the shoes, the thing that upset me about the shoes uh, is that his explanation was just nonsense. It was, well, I hatched this plan to wear white shoes when I thought we were wearing white jerseys, and Thursday they told us we were wearing brown jerseys, and I couldn't get shoes to match by the game on Sunday. As if Odell Beckham is not important enough that anybody at Nike would not move heaven and earth to find him a pair of shoes, or as if there might not be... How many... In the equipment room of an NFL facility, are there pairs and pairs and pairs and pairs of shoes in every Endless. side? Yes. So I'm assuming somebody, unless Odell has, you know, he's like a triple E foot or something. I'm assuming but you ha- can- it's not like you have one pair at a time and <laughs> hold on. I'm going to I'm going to order you a pair. They'll be in next week. <laughs> As if Odell has no I, internet I, look, access I, and no I mean, Amazon first Prime of all, awareness. Uh, for. Uh, I have no idea why anybody's sitting there concerned about matching shoes, or what. You, well, the like, shoes have to be in a in a team. Okay, color. Well, that's so if you fine. Can wear white if you're wearing white jersey. But I, I just found it. his explanation nonsense. Well, then it, then fire the equipment manager because it's his fault because he didn't have Odell's right shoes. I, again, this is all stuff that you bring on upon yourself, and the only thing it does it creates distractions. And if you're winning. Nobody cares about the distractions because you're winning, and it works. When you're losing, of course, everything is magnified. Now, the shoe things are magnified because they lost. If they won, nobody cares about shoes, right? But the the, the tweet thing with Whitehead, that's his own downfall. I feel bad because somebody that would love that kid or care about Mm -hmm. him, and he had a couple teammates defend him, which was even worse, but somebody that would love that kid to defend him saw him go to his phone and Twitter right away. It was and and would have went up to him. 
and said, Jermaine, I love you. You're my teammate. I, I got to take your phone because yeah. you're going to do something that you're going to regret. Cost and the other job. thing that you're going to do is not only cost you this job, but you're going to send a message around the league to 31 other teams that I can't have that drama queen in my – or drama king, excuse yeah. me, yeah. whatever it is. I can't have that dude in my locker room because if he has a bad game, he's going to threaten to kill somebody. And if he take, doesn't do it on Twitter – then he's going to take it another step further, go to another social platform, Instagram, and threaten people on Instagram. Didn't that, Doesn't somebody on that team, and they told him to delete it, no? Well, then don't delete it. Then somebody on that team or a group of guys have to go to him and say, Jermaine, just, we, don't, we need you. Yeah. Put, put us, put the team above your feelings about what critics are saying about you. And until they do that as a whole – they're not going to be successful because everything is important to them. Except except winning. Winning. Yes, exactly right. Well, the argument could be made, I'm sure it is being made as we speak, by Bengal fans who are saying, you know what? Uh, we don't care about winning. We benched Andy Dalton for Ryan Finley, and they have the Ravens who, uh, you know, beat the Patriots. Nobody else has done that. So do you... Is it, is it two different questions? Do you like the move to Ryan Finley, or do you understand the move to Ryan Finley? I understand the move to Ryan Finley. Um, Zach Taylor mentioned that, you know, it's nothing that Andy didn't do, but you're the starting quarterback. You're 0-8, and I get it. You're playing without A.J. Green. You're playing with a patchwork offensive line, and oh, by the way, on top of that, we can't stop anybody, and on top of that, you have zero running game. So we have to see. Now go win. Yeah. Well, we have to see what Zach, Zach, Zach said this, not me, that we have to see what we have in Ryan Finley. And Andy's contract is up, and so he's going to presumably move on yep. and bye-bye. So I think it's the right move. I think it's a uh, an organizational move by the Bengals to see what they have. And at 0-8, I would have made the same call. Well, I don't it will like be, it because I don't think it's Andy's fault, but Andy's not going to be the quarterback of the Bengals next year. Yeah, that's what, old, That's the whole message. There's an He's old done. saying, it's not personal, it's just business. It is business. This is just business. I will say Ryan Finley will have to really knock it out of the park for the Bengals to have the pick they're going to have and not spend it on, presumably, Tua, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. I mean, there are three quarterbacks yeah, those three are right there soft. at the top that appear to be – you know, pretty solid options. I, I think two is the best pro prospect. But again, it goes back to what we, we, you know, people ask me why. You know, have you seen Joe play? Of course, I've seen. <clears throat> excuse me, Joe play. I love Joe. I, I've seen Herbert out at Oregon. I watched him uh, when I couldn't sleep one night, and I love that kid. But my taste and what I want and what I believe in and what I would hang my hat on is that Tua is the guy that I love. I think he throws a beautiful ball. I think, he, for the most part, makes great decisions, and he can run around. I think he's a, he's the best fit for me. And so I hope that the Bengals, if they do, I don't want them to lose every game, but if they do end up with a number one pick, then I hope that they uh, target Tua Tunga Viola. Instead of Chase Young. Yep. Yes. I want a quarterback. I, yeah, I, you gotta have a quarterback. You got you can't you. It doesn't matter who's. You gotta have a quarterback. If you don't have a quarterback, you got no shot. You well, can I mean, find pass rushers in the third round. Some of you. I mean, you're lucky if you do. But yeah. Justin, the Justin Houston's, and there are guys in the third, fourth, fifth. How about round. You, uh, the kid I have this week? Uh, uh, 
Shaquille Barrett or Barnett or Barrett, the kid from Denver that couldn't get on the field. He's got 10 and a half sacks. Yeah, but you're not going to, Tom Brady aside, you're not going to find a quarterback. Unless you're the Bengals in the sixth round, Ryan Finley, I guess. Well, he's a fourth round pick. Fourth, I believe. I I really liked Ryan Finley out of North Carolina State. I had him confused with Brandon Allen, sixth round pick, who played like a future Tom Brady against the Browns. But you can make an argument, too. Well, you go find a quarterback like uh, Gunnar Minshew, right? Gardner Minshew, yeah. Gardner Minshew. Yeah, Garner Minshew. Thank you. Although his star appears to be no, because he's in the yeah. Sky. Nick Foles is taking a job over, and so yeah, I I like the picks. Like okay, I'm not ready to give up on Baker Mayfield. Uh, I like what I see out of Kyler Murray, and when you get a new quarterback, then you got to be committed to that quarterback, and you got to be ready to grow with him. Uh, the guy that that's losing that and losing his opportunity in a rapid way, and a head coach is under fire, and a general manager is under fire because. You moved up to get him, and you passed on two other guys, Carson Wentz and – or was it Wentz and Deshaun Watts? No, who – when uh, you, uh, Trubisky, Trubisky was – Trubisky was in their draft class? Yeah, that yeah. Would be, it would be Deshaun, both of those guys. Yeah, so you 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 passed on those Wentz guys to, to move up to get Trubisky. Trubisky. And the, the, the Bears, I think, have put up 300 yards of offense one time. They had 164 oh. yards last week. Of offense. Uh, Ohio State does that routinely. They will do it in the first half on Saturday against Maryland. And if you would like to uh, similarly hit it out of the park from the tailgating perspective, you'll get to Presidential Parkway, 4,000 Presidential Parkway to be exact, and the storefront of Stover Farms Custom Meats. Trevor Stover, the father of Buckeye linebacker Cade Stover, Mr. Football, uh, processes a side of Angus beef grown on their farm in the Lexington area, which is up by Mansfield. They bring it down Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They sell it, so they were open yesterday. They'll be open today, 10 to, I think, 4.30. Saturday, they open at 9.30, and you'll get the best steaks, the best burger, the best sausage, poultry from Stover Farms Custom Meats. How about a little bacon on your grill at the tailgate tomorrow? Get it from Stover Farms. Tell them you listen to the Spielman Hooley podcast. You'll save 15%. Uh, Got an email that uh, one of our listeners did not know Stover existed. It was two miles from his house. He bought 20 ribeyes, and he's giving them five-star ratings like we hope you'll give our podcast. So Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4,000 Presidential Parkway in Powell, 15% off when you mention the Spielman and Hooley discount. Uh, Buckeyes do not have a quarterback issue. They have Justin Fields, and at this time next year, we'll be talking about probably Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence and who do you like best in the NFL draft. So enjoy Justin Fields. While you have him, Maryland uh, does not really uh, did not have a quarterback last year, or they might have hit the uh, two point pass to beat Ohio State. That's the memory we have of the last time we saw those horrible Maryland uniforms. But we also have the memory of the Ohio State defense being gashed in that game for seven touchdowns. And remember Anthony McFarland, like he had like an eighty one yard run and a seventy five yard run in the first quarter. It is it's just unfathomable that that could happen to this defense spiels and I look at the defense and I see tough Borland and Pete Werner and Malik Harrison and Baron Browning and Robert Landers and Devon Hamilton and Chase Young and Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda and Jordan Fuller and they were all out there last year and so explain the transformation you know I mean they're last year 404 yards 53rd in the country now they're 224 yards, 7.8 points a game. You won't get the answer at Ohio State, but I'll give you the answer. When you play man-to-man defense, you're vulnerable to big plays on the ground because when a guy gets to the second level, everybody's back is turned and you're running. When you play more zone, you have eyes on the line of scrimmage and they're tackling better. It's that simple. 
That's why they're better against the run than they were last year. That's why they're not giving up big play after big play after big play on the ground. And when they do play zone, it's like they're they're so good that they're breaking on the football. They're not playing like soft zone, throw it underneath. They're making guys, they're turning their zone into a little bit of man. When a guy enters the zone, they jump men. They, they, they're playing so well in such a high level. But when you play man straight up and you're pressing your corners every single play, if you get to the second level, it's off to the races. And the safety misses, that's why you have a 70-plus yard touchdown run. Okay, so I tried to get to the bottom of this with Ryan Day just because of the synergy of Maryland then, Maryland now. And, look, I get Ryan's in a tough spot because you can't say great things about the four new defensive coaches you have now without, by association, it being an indictment of the four coaches you got rid of or who left. Um, With Greg Schiano, I think it was a gentle, you know, we need to move on. With Alex Grinch, maybe Oklahoma came and got him first. Maybe he jumped, maybe he was pushed, I don't know. But what's indisputable is the improvement. And so I was trying to ask Ryan Day about it, and I said, you know, it just looks like you were playing like what Spiels just said, the wrong scheme. And Ryan's like, no, it's not that simple. We had guys hurt. We had, you know, guys listened all summer long to how bad they were, and they're motivated. Okay, I get it. Then we got the opportunity to talk to Jay Sean Cornell. Uh, Here's my interchange with uh, Buckeye defensive lineman Jay Sean Cornell about this very thing. Maryland last year with Maryland coming in this year. I'm looking at the Maryland game last year, 51.7 touchdowns. You've played five Big Ten games, five. You've given up five touchdowns and 38 points. From the outside, there are no freshmen making an impact on defense. You know, that's not the improvement. So can you help me understand how the same exact guys can be playing so much better this year than last year? We learn how not to be selfish. You know, sometimes you want to play for yourself sometimes, but now, like, I'm not saying that me personally, but the team is like we're playing for each other. I think that's one thing that we're not arguing, we're not yelling at each other, we're not getting down on each other. If the player makes a mistake, we're, we're pushing them up and say, look, we got on the next play, and we're not worried about anything. That's one thing that we're not doing, that we did in previous years. We're not playing self, we're not playing for one each other, we're playing for each other. And uh, okay. like this is just a brotherhood now. It's like it's a really strong brotherhood. Not saying that we haven't had brotherhoods before, but the power <coughs> that you have with one another is, is really different this year. That word was thrown around a lot in the past, brotherhood. It's interesting for me to hear you say that now you either have it on a new level or you... Yeah, I feel like it's a, I just, it's just what, what the outside world can see, what we see in the locker room now, it's just, it's just different. It's like, it's a different feeling that we have in the locker room. It's just like, you can see people laughing, having fun. It's like, we're just all playing loose. And I feel like that's one thing that's different from being like, being a, being a good football player and a bad football player is being able to play loose and understanding like what's in front of you. I feel like that's what we, that's some issues that we might have probably had in the past is not being able to play loose. Was the, uh, I mean, from the outside in, people look and go, well, four of the new, four of the coaches on the defense are new this year and the scheme's different. And so people look at that and go, it's the scheme. They were playing the wrong scheme. I think there's letting us play. That's what, that's what, that's what we always want to do is let us play. And that's one thing that we're doing is just playing ball. And final question, front row right. All right, there you go. That was the explanation that I got. What did you think of it? Uh, so last year he talks right. about being selfish early on in that conversation. Let me uh, translate that for you. I think when things go wrong and you're getting embarrassed, and Ohio State's defense was embarrassed mm-hmm. numerous times because it wasn't living to the Ohio State standard, I think the instinct is for defensive players to start trying to do too much and take over. So maybe that was the case last year, and I think that's what he was referring to. 
I can promise you this. It is the scheme. The scheme is different. And I went into it a few minutes ago. When you play so much man and you play press, when it gets to the second level, you miss a second, you miss a tackle on the second level, then it's gone, or it's for fifty yard plus gain. Mm -hmm. We saw that all year. And so when you bring in Jeff Halfley and, and Greg Madison and now Washington and whoever else they brought in on the defensive side of the ball, and you have success, guess what? Everybody feels good about what they're doing as long as you're having success. And it's easy to sell everybody, do your job, be happy. When you're getting your rear end smoked and embarrassed and running up and down on the field, the egos of, of a Big Ten football player, Ohio State football player, competitors of that nature, your natural instinct is, I can do more to help my team. It's mm -hmm. not out of selfishness. I, I would maybe have like to have a conversation with young Mr. Cornell there. It's, I don't think it's out of selfishness. I just think it's out of... I. Well, if they're not going to make the tackle, I'm going to make the tackle because I know I can do it. Yeah. Then you end up hurting your team, and I'm as guilty as anybody that throughout my career trying to do too much instead of playing within a system if things aren't going well. But the scheme makes the whole difference in the world because as you aptly pointed out in that it's the same players. Now, they're a year better, but it's the same players. And so when you have uh, – 11 eyes at the line of scrimmage as opposed to seven eyes mm -hmm. on the line of scrimmage. It's a big difference in the run game, and we certainly have seen that, and the guys have played well, and they play zone defense. I mean, people have the misconception that zone is playoff, cover, drop to an area. Soft, yeah. Yeah, and just drop to that area and don't move. No, it's, it's understanding good zone defense. You understand route combinations and understand where the receiver has to go and recognize it. Also playing zone defense, what they'll do too is a little bit is they'll man one side and play zone on the other side. So they're doing a lot of good things and different things, and you're getting a lot of uh, a little bit. Uh, the safeties are very active in the run, and you know it's it's a good scheme. It's a good system. It's a scheme that I would run. The 49ers run it very well, although the 49ers are playing a little bit more of a two deep look than they used to. Uh, but they're playing at a high level, and it's a Robert Sala who came from Pete Carroll and Jeff Halfley who came from Robert Sala. All those guys uh, have the same theories, and each guy adds a little bit of his twist to it. And Ohio State is, uh, has done it very well, and they're playing at a very high level. And one reason why their pass defense is so good, it's not because they're covering great, although I do think Jeffrey Akuda is a top-10 pick in the NFL draft. Uh, I, and Arnett's helped himself by mm -hmm. coming back. But their pass rush is the, the best thing you can have for a pass defense, and they have it. And they have it on the outside, and they have it on the inside. I wish there was a way that they could be um, enlightening without worrying about uh, it being taken as a criticism of the other guys because, you know, last year you mentioned Okuda, Sean Wade, um, Damon Arnett, a lot of complaints last year about pass interference and holding penalties and stuff. I'd playing, like to, yeah. but I'd like to know the technique they're teaching now because they don't play the same technique uh, in the secondary. And the other thing is, I wish Jeff. It, I'd find it very enlightening and very interesting. You know, Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison when they got here, and all of them sat down, and the first thing they did was self scout. They looked at tape last year. What went wrong? What can this kid do? What are his capabilities? What are his talents? And I would love to know. When you saw Okuda on film, when you saw Arnett on film, did you think, I can fix that guy? Here's what, here's what he is doing. Here's what he needs to do. And I just wish it could be about 
what they saw as coaches because I find that fascinating, getting the most out of a player, yeah. taking the raw materials and getting the most out of them. Well, I think the first thing I would do if I'm Jeff Halfley is I bring Richard Sherman tape in and I have the corners watch Richard Sherman in this scheme and how he does it and what he does and understanding routes and understanding splits and what routes can be run from certain splits and try to use a little bit of analytics while you're player. I used to do it all the time. Understanding certain formations, I know from my preparation during the week that there's only so many things they're going to do with this formation, and there's only so many plays. Then once the action of the offense starts, and I was able to diagnose that play in my head, which this allowed me to play faster than I was. I played at a faster speed than my time speed. So the first thing you do is you do that. When you play man-to-man and you're complaining about being uh, holding calls and interference calls, when you play man-to-man and somebody's over the top of you, and you're playing against a good team that can hit you deep and that quarterback's accurate, you better get an interference or it's a touchdown. And in college, you're lucky because it's only a 15-yard penalty and not right. a spot foul, right. right? And the other thing is, um, uh, you know, it's a credit to those guys as individual players for working hard and getting better. But it's it's a little bit easier of a scheme to play in than the constant pressure of playing man-to-man defense it's so difficult to play that. I mean, the Detroit Lions play man-to-man all the time. They give up about 160 yards a game on the ground. Yeah. You know, that's just the philosophy. Michigan played it all the time, and Ohio State crossing routes just tore them to shreds it's, last yeah. year. Just, and, and if you don't adjust, you're going to get killed. And, you know, there's obviously a big place in defense for man-to-man coverage. You've got to be able to play it. You have to. Uh, but then... You know, you're, there's other times, too, where you can play like we used to. It's like a, you can play a zone, but it, it's, it's, it turns into a man, a matchup zone. It turns into man once these guys come into it. And these guys do a good job of recognizing routes and jumping routes. But at the snap of the ball, they're able to get a run pass read because, as I said, you got 11 eyes on the line of scrimmage. You're not pressed up against one guy where your only focus is that one guy. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to react to the football. Uh, we would love for you to email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. We'll get to your emails momentarily. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating sponsors the faith portion of the podcast. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating services all of central Ohio. So if you're in Gahanna and you'd like a plumber to show up on time and not waste your day, West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating is the way to go. If you need a new furnace, building a new home, or a replacement furnace, uh, West Jeff Plumbing and Heating will give you hundreds off a Lennox high-efficiency furnace. Geothermal heating. Ask them about it. They can tell you about it. If you have a room addition and you feel like you can't get the duct work there, they have ways to heat it. They have ways to cool it. In the summertime, West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating with all your answers from a plumbing and heating perspective. Really good people, and you can reach them. Via the phone, 614-879-9606, 879-9606, or on the web, westjeffplumbingandheating.com. Our email of the day comes from Phil and Galena, and he refers back to something that happened on a previous podcast. He said, warning, passive-aggressive snarkiness on its way. Well, we always like that, Phil. How do you think Jesus would describe a tree hugger? He says, I've enjoyed the podcast for a few weeks. However, in the last podcast, I got the impression tree huggers are wrong. Just as Chris was sending a great message about how people shouldn't rely on external factors to be happy, I heard tree huggers don't qualify because they see God everywhere and haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior. Therefore, if you are like these tree huggers, you need not apply. I'm sure I missed the point. Um, I'll say this as kindly as I can. I mean, you. I would never say that you need not apply. Everyone 
can not only apply, but can be accepted. But yes, Jesus is an essential part. I Look, Phil, here's my deal. I wandered around in a spiritual wasteland, even though I had the extreme privilege of being raised in a Christian home with praying parents and was in church every Sunday, and sometimes Wednesday and sometimes Sunday night. I screwed up the simplicity of the gospel in that it is all about what Jesus did at the cross, and it is nothing about what I could do. My good deeds, am I good enough, la, la, la. So I'm passionate about making sure that my daughters, any young person, any person, does not miss the fact that we are never and can never be good enough to be acceptable in God's sight unless we claim for ourselves what Jesus did by living a sinless life. The tree hugger comment, Chris and I have an inside joke that when he was covering college football, he used to go to Cal every now and then. Yeah. And at one time they had protesters hanging out in trees, hanging in the trees. And so I don't remember exactly what I said. You're right. God is everywhere. Yeah. But a tree is not God. The comment about tree huggers that I meant for you to understand was that people who think that God is this some ethereal thing that, well, you know, whatever, wherever I say God is, that's where he is. You don't define God. God defines himself. He's clearly defined in the Bible. If you would like to know who Jesus is, read the book of Galatians. Paul makes it extremely clear who Jesus is. Colossians, I believe, too, sets forth in about 20 verses exactly who Jesus is, that he was there before the creation of the world, that all things were created by him and for him. He is, the, he is over everything. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what, in this podcast, when Chris and I sat down to do it, I said, and he was 100% on board, we can talk about the Buckeyes, we can talk about the Browns, we'll talk about sports, it's our wheelhouse, but we're only going to do it if we can be 100% transparent in who we are. And I am not in uh, enforcement. I can't tell you who's going to heaven and who's not. I'm in advertising. I'll tell you about Jesus Christ all day long and what he's done in my life and what he can do in your life, and I cannot... Because I love people and want them to come to Christ, I cannot leave out of the equation the essential, the absolutely essential requirement that Christ be a part of your relationship with God. Can you read that to me again? So I just want to make sure that I I hear him um, right, and I want to really think about my, my statement here. He said, just as Chris was sending a great message about how people shouldn't rely on external factors to be happy. Right. I heard tree huggers don't qualify because they see God everywhere and haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior. Therefore, if you are like these tree huggers, you need not apply. Well, um, I think, you know, the beautiful thing about Christianity is, is that there's free will. And, and I, I would encourage everybody that doesn't know what Jesus did and what's at stake in the savior part of it and everything that goes with that, just examine the evidence for yourself. And there's great books for you to do that. And, and I'm not telling you to do one thing or another. I'm just telling you to examine the evidence and in free will, that will be between you and God. I can only speak as Bruce said, from my experience and as far, far as being a tree hugger, look, God uh, asks us to be stewards of the environment. Mm -hmm. And I can uh, certainly testify from eyewitnessing that Bruce Hooley is a steward of the environment. 
because he knows that God created the environment and created trees and created the grass and created nature. And so it is our duty, if we are going to be who we say we're going to be, then we are not going to be polluters. We're going to recycle and take care of the things that we're supposed to take care of in the environment. However, I think where there there could be a little bit of a misunderstanding, and this is uh, from my strong belief, is that there's nothing that can be placed above God. There's nothing to be placed above God's Son. There's nothing to be placed above the Holy Spirit, that, that God, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's, those, those things are at the top of the list. And so if you put your passion for the environment above God who created the environment, if you put your, if, if that is above your love of God, then I would ask you kindly and, and with, with all the humility in my heart and all the goodwill in my heart to please re-examine that. And if you still come to that conclusion, then, then that's free will. But I think that's where maybe there's a little bit of disconnect is that Bruce has as much respect, and I do, for the environment as anybody. That being said, that doesn't even come close to the priority list of what's most important in our life. And God trumps the environment. But being Christian men, we are called to be good stewards of the environment, and we do that. And so that's the only thing that I would uh, I would encourage you to continue to listen to this podcast. I'd encourage you to continue to be a good steward of the environment, but I'd also encourage you to maybe look at evidence over and over and, and just don't make decisions for yourself. And that, that's the thing too, Bruce, that when people vote, I, don't, I would never tell anybody who to vote for. I would just ask that at least be educated. Okay, be educated why you're a Christian or be educated on why you're not a Christian. But just don't do yourself the disservice of just blowing it off. Well, because I heard somebody say this yeah, or this is my one experience, so I'm shutting it down forever. You, you, don't do yourself that, that injustice. Educate yourself. So I, I hope you continue to listen. And here's some words that I want to pass on today. Um. I have had this conversation with all my kids, and I just had one recently. And it's my piece of advice that only comes from experience and maturity. And I said to them, every decision and every choice that I make and that you make does not only affect me, it affects everybody around me. I'm kind of old school and I believe as a husband and the father that I am the leader of the house and not in a, you know, kingly way. It's just, mm -hmm. it's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here or anything like that. I'm just telling you that that's a responsibility that sure. I take serious. So I'm telling these, all these people that I love that every decision I make wasn't always what's best for the unit as a whole. It was what's best for me. But as I've grown and, and, and taken on a wife and taken on children, what I've learned is that every decision I have to make cannot be what's best for me. It has to be what's best for the group. 
and that I have to realize when I make a decision that the consequences of that decision, good or bad, the outcomes of those decisions, good or bad, is going to have a direct effect on my kids and my wife and my family. And so I am trying to get young, my young kids, all the kids are young, all of them, all, how many are there? Six. Yes, six. All six of them. That when you make decisions and choices, I get it at 21 or from 17 to 25 years old, you're making decisions and choices that are best for you. Or you're making maybe a choice that might be a little bit on the line. Mm-hmm. Now, if that choice doesn't work out, what kind of reflection is that going to have on your brothers and sisters and your and your your dad, your stepdad, your mom, your stepmom, whatever the case may be, what kind of impact is that going to have on their lives? And even more so now in this era, and that's the danger of you know yeah. being a kid now is because you know in our time growing up, you if we say, made a you poor could choice, say something stupid, we get, got away with it. It wasn't yeah. screenshotted by anybody. Right. It wasn't. It didn't live forever. Yeah. Now it lives forever, man. And so those stakes are higher. Yep. No and the, about and the, the other thing, um, this is very hard to do all the time, but as parents, there's there's a verse in Matthew, I believe. It's either Matthew or James, maybe James. I think it's James. It says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything is deceitful. And that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. It sounds so easy, right? Yeah. But it's really hard to do. So I just want to encourage mothers and fathers out there and people that are uh, in a position of leadership in their homes, try to live by that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And also I encourage you to hold each thought captive to Christ. That will help you make those decisions uh, that will ultimately... uh, Look fondly upon your whole family, and the consequences of those decisions usually will be good if you hold that thought or decision captive to Christ before you make it. That's in Corinthians, by the way. And I would say, too, uh, you know, Phil, we really do appreciate, I appreciate your email. I want you to challenge us on things we say and ask for clarification Absolutely. on things we say. And I'll say the same thing that uh, my pastor said a few weeks ago, and that is, you know, if you uh, can find spiritual encouragement on another podcast and it helps your Christian walk, then I have no problem with you but, but yeah, but finding it somewhere else. Although I tend to think that we will, uh, I know this, we come at it from a sincerity of heart and yeah. we have nothing but uh, our fondest hope for this is that we make a difference in people's lives, that we yeah. uh, embolden people, encourage them, inspire them. And, you know, we're trying to do the best we can. And I, and, and if we make a mistake, let us know. And Phil, I, yeah, and I appreciate you writing in. And I would just encourage you, Phil, to just, you know, keep looking at evidence, man. Keep looking at it. And, uh, hey, and hug all the trees you want, man. And, and that's great because I take pride in, in myself being a good steward of the environment. Just as Chris said, top of the priority list, make sure you're worshiping the creator. Yeah, the creator not, of the not, tree. Not created things. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it for us. Buckeyes, Maryland. We'll have an immediate reaction podcast after the game. It'll be a walkover. But that's how we got the number one in the uh, college football playoff rankings. And how I think they'll stay. Have a great weekend, everybody.